vives en Virginia. Si recibiste la vacuna contra COVID-19, sigues estando protegido. Este otoño estaremos poniendo dosis de refuerzo para ayudar a prolongar esa protección. No olvides que el Departamento de Salud de Virginia sigue siendo tu mejor fuente de información sobre el COVID-19. Para saber si puedes recibir la dosis de refuerzo y programar una cita, visita vaccinate.virginia.gov o llama al 877-829-4682. Este es un mensaje del Departamento de Salud de Virginia. We're going to be learning Chidushe Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi, the second piece in Hilchos Truma. This is the Rambam Perak Aleph, Halacha Yud Aleph. And the issue Rab Chaim is discussing is why a non-Jew cannot take Truma and Meiser. And he wants to understand, is that a specific halacha to Truma or is it a more general halacha? The Rambam is discussing a case where a non-Jew grew produce in Eretz Yisrael and then a Jew acquired it from him. So the Rambam says that if the produce was already picked and prepared, so it was ready to go, and then the Jew acquires it, so then he doesn't have to give any of the gifts to the Kohanim and the Levium, the Truma and the Maestros, the tithes that in general a Jew who grows produce has to give. But, says the Rambam, if the Jew acquired this produce before it was fully completed, so in Lakhan Yisrael Achash it had already been picked, but Kodem Shitigomer Melachtan before it was completed, and then the Jew finished preparing the produce. So then Chayovin Bakol Min HaTorah. In that situation, he is obligated to give the gifts to the Kohen and the Levi, but there's a difference between the different gifts. So the Rambam says, Umafrish Truma Kohen. The Truma gift, which goes directly to the Kohen, that he has to give. But the truma semaiser, which is the truma which ordinarily the levi would give to the kohen. So truma goes to the kohen, maser rishon goes to the levi, it's a tenth of the produce. And then the levi has to take off truma semaiser from what he gets, and he gives his own gift to the kohen. So in this case, the truma semaiser is sold to the kohen, and the maiser rishon, which would usually go to the levi, who shall know, the farmer, the Jew who bought the produce can keep. Now the reason that the Jew is able to keep the Trumas Meiser and the Meiser Rishon is because he's able to say to the Kohen and the Levi with regard to those gifts, I am coming from the strength, in other words, I bought it from a non-Jew, whom you would not have been able to collect anything from. So therefore, I don't have to give you anything either because I acquired his rights in these produce. But now the Rambam raises the obvious problem because based on this logic that a Jew who buys it from a non-Jew gets the same rights and doesn't have to give Trumas Meiser, then why does he have to give Truma Gedola? Why is there a difference that the Truma Gedola, in this case, he does have to give and the Trumas Meiser, he doesn't have to give, he can sell it to the Kohen. So the Rambam explains, Why is there a difference between Trumas Meiser and Truma Gedola? This is based on a Pasuk but Trumas Meiser, with regard to Trumas Meiser, the Torah says, When you will take from a Jew the Meiser, 
So the clear implication is that if you take it from a Jew, then then you have to give trumas meiser and give it to the kohen. But tevel but non tithed produce tevel, which you take from a non Jew, then you do not have to give the kohen trumas meiser in that case because it's excluded from the pasuk which says kisikhu meis b'nei Yisrael when you will take from the Jewish people. So that's why trumas meiser you're able to sell to the kohen and you don't have to give it to him. So this comes from the Gemara in Bechoros, Andaf Yud Aleph, mostly Ahmed Beis. The Gemara quotes from Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nossan in the name of Rabbi Hanina that someone who takes tevel, untithed produce from a non-Jew, has to take the meiser, but he can keep it. So the Gemara explains that this cannot be referring to when the non-Jew prepared it, because then there's no obligation of meiser at all. So it must be the Marchinu Yisrael Merishus Nachri, that the Jew acquired it from the non-Jew, but it was not yet fully prepared, and then the Jew completed the preparation process, so then he has to take off Meiser, but he gets to keep it. And the reason is exactly the logic that the Rambam had quoted. Because the Jew can say to the Kohen and the Levi, I acquired this produce from a non-Jew whom you would not have been able to get any Trumas and Meisras from. So therefore, I have the same power. You lost your rights to this produce and I don't have to give you the Truma or the Meisr. Then the Gemara later on suggests that there's a difference between Trumagdola and Trumas Meiser, the Trumagdola he would have to give. And the Gemara explains that this is derived from Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi's halacha because he said, From where do we derive that someone who takes Tevel from a non-Jew is Potter from Trumas Meiser? And he quotes this Pasuk, That only Tevel that you take from B'nai Yisrael, then you have to take off Trumas Meiser the Kohen, but Tevel that you take from a non-Jew, you do not have to take off Trumas Meiser. So that's why this halacha only applies to Trumas Meiser. It does not apply to Truma Gedola. So these are the exact same two ideas the Rambam quoted. So they're based on that Gemara. One is the logic that a Jew who buys produce from a non-Jew retains the rights that the non-Jew had in the produce. So since the Kohen and Levi lost the gifts when the non-Jew had it, then the new Jewish owner doesn't have to give them gifts either. And the second is this pasuk of Kisikhu Meis B'nei Yisrael, that Shumas Meiser only applies when the Levi gets the produce from a Jew, not when it comes from a non-Jew. But Rab Chaim asks that the two reasons don't both seem necessary. So in the Gemara, once it moves from the reason A, which was the logic, to reason B, which is the pasuk, so it seems that the reason B replaces reason A completely and the entire halacha is only based on this pasuk because the pasuk actually contradicts the logic. The pasuk says that truma gedola he does have to give to the kohen whereas the logic indicates that he shouldn't have to give the kohen any of the gifts once the non-Jewish farmer had rights to the produce. So the pasuk seems to replace the logic and it says that the new Jewish owner is only only absolved from giving Trumas Meiser, but not Truma Gedola. And furthermore, we don't even need the logic anymore because where do we derive that the new Jewish owner doesn't have to give Trumas Meiser is from the Xeris HaKosov that it says, Ki Yisrael, the Torah says only when you take it from Jews. So we don't need the whole logical idea that if the non-Jew owned it at some point, then the Kohen lost his rights to the Trumas Meiser.
So in the Gemara itself, Rab Chaim says, we would have read it as saying that reason B, the Pasuk reading, replaced reason A, which was the logic, and the logic is no longer valid, but the Rambam quotes both of them. So obviously the Rambam did not understand the Gemara that way. He understood that even once we introduce reason B, the Pasuk, the Xeris HaKosuv, were still relying on the logic. And so the question on the Rambam is, first of all, why is the logic still valid when it seems to go against the Pasuk? And why is it even necessary? Why do we need two reasons? Either one of the reasons alone seems sufficient. And second, if the logic is still valid, then why does the new Jewish owner have to give Truma Gedola? Once the non-Jew owned it, then he should be absolved from Truma Gedola. So Rab Chaim has a very nice answer to explain the Rambam. And he says that there are actually two reasons why this produce should be obligated in Trumus Umaisrus. Number one is the standard reason, because it grew in Eretz Yisrael, and produce that grows in Eretz Yisrael, you have to give gifts to the Kohen and the Levi. But then there's a second reason, which is once the Jew acquires the produce from the non-Jew, it kicks in a new obligation to give the gifts to the Kohen and the Levi. So that's why the Rambam felt that we need both reasons in order to exempt this produce. With regard to the fact that it grew in Eretz Yisrael, the original obligation, so there we have the logical idea that since it grew under the ownership of a non-Jew, so the exemption that it originally had transfers to the new owner once the Jew buys it. So that's why it doesn't kick in the original obligation that produce of Eretz Yisrael is obligated in Trumas and Meisros. But then once the Jew buys the produce from the non-Jew, it kicks in a new obligation to give the gifts. So for that, we have the Pasuk, which says, only things you take from a Jew, you have to take the gifts of Trumas Meiser and Meiser Rishon, not if it comes from a non-Jew. So that absolves the produce even from the new Chiyuv, the new obligation, once the Jew purchased it. So this explains why the Rambam holds that we need both reasons, because they work together. The primary exemption comes from the fact that it grew under the ownership of a non-Jew. But then we also need the Pasuk in order to exempt the produce once the Jew goes ahead and buys it. And this also explains very nicely why there's a difference between Trumagdola and Trumas Meiser, because the exemption of the Pasuk only applies to Trumas Meiser and Meiser Rishon, gifts which come to the Levi or through the Levi. But Truma Gedola, which is not included in that Pasuk, so there when the Jew acquires the produce, there does kick in a new obligation of Truma Gedola, and that's why he has to give the Truma Gedola in this case. So even though the Truma Gedola is exempt from the original standard obligation because it grew in Eretz Yisrael, for that it has the exemption because a non-Jew owned the produce at that time. But once the Jew buys the produce, it now kicks in the obligation of Truma Gedola, and that's why he has to give it, because there is no exemption to that second obligation from the Pasuk. So this approach to the Rambam very nicely explains the Rambam's presentation of these halachas and why we need both reasons and the difference between Trumagdola and Trumas Meiser.
But it's a bit of a technical approach. Now Rab Chaim tries a more conceptual approach to explain why the Rambam needs both of these reasons. And this is based on understanding the conceptual reason why the non-Jew didn't have to give Truma and Meiser to the Kohen. So Rab Chaim wants to know, this idea that a non-Jew doesn't have to give Truma and Meiser, is it just a broader reflection of the fact that non-Jews don't have to do mitzvos overall? So since Truma and Meiser is a mitzvah, obviously the non-Jew doesn't have to do Truma and Meiser. Or is it something more specific to Trumos and Meisros that there's a process of giving them to the Kohen, which the non-Jew is excluded from? And the practical difference of all this is going to be if the non-Jew sells his produce to a Jewish farmer. If the reason why the non-Jew doesn't have to give Truma and Meister is just an overall broad principle that non-Jews don't do mitzvahs, so then that would not transfer over to the new Jewish owner because it has nothing to do inherently with the produce. It has to do with the fact that the original non-Jewish owner was not obligated in mitzvos, but now the new owner who is a Jew is obligated in mitzvos. So obviously the situation has changed. So the new owner would have to take truma and meiser. There's no reason for that exemption to transfer from a non-Jew to a Jew. And even more strongly, even when the produce was originally growing, it's not that this produce was not obligated in Truma and Meiser, it's just that it was owned at the time by a non-Jew who was not obligated in mitzvos, so he did not have to take Truma and Meiser. But once the produce comes to a Jewish owner, then the inherent obligation of Truma and Meiser should kick in for the new owner. So if the basis for the non-Jews exemption from Truma and Meiser is just an overall broad principle that the non-Jew is absolved in general from mitzvos, then it doesn't seem reasonable for that exemption to transfer over to a new Jewish owner. But on the other hand, if there's something special about Truma and Meiser that a non-Jew is unable to give those gifts to the Kohen, so then it's inherent in this produce that it was not obligated in Truma and Meiser when it originally grew under the ownership of the non-Jew. And once there's an inherent exemption to the produce, then it makes sense that that can transfer also over to a Jew who goes ahead and buys the produce. And even more, Rab Chaim explains that if there is an inherent exemption that a non-Jew does not give Truma and Meiser to the Kohen, then the whole time he owns the fruits, they have the status that they are not given as gifts to the Kohen. And that status would also transfer over to the new Jewish owner because it comes along with his purchase of these fruits. So in sum, the whole issue of whether the Jewish owner gets from the non-Jewish seller the rights to not give Truma and Meiser depends on the issue of why the non-Jew was absolved from Truma and Meiser. Is it specific and inherent to Truma and Meiser or is it just an overall principle that non-Jews don't have to do mitzvos? Now, according to this conceptual analysis, Rab Chaim says we could explain beautifully why the Rambam holds we need both of the Gemara's reasons in order to absolve the new Jewish owner from giving Truma and Meiser on the produce that he purchased. Because it's not two reasons, it's really one reason. Both reasons are driving at the same point. 
The Pasuk is coming to tell us not only that you don't have to give Trumas Meiser and Meiser Rishon from produce, which comes from a non-Jewish farmer, but it's telling us more fundamentally that produce, which comes from a non-Jewish farmer, is exempt from Truma and Meiser. In other words, this is the source in the Torah that there's a special exemption of Truma and Meiser for the non-Jewish farmer, that he is inherently exempt and excluded from Truma and Meiser. So that is the underlying basis for the whole concept that the Jewish buyer gets the same exemption transferred over to him that the non-Jewish seller had. Because if not for that Pasuk, we would have said that the original non-Jewish owner's exemption from Truma and Meiser was just a standard, broader exemption from mitzvos. And that would not have transferred over to the new Jewish buyer. So we need the Pasuk to tell us that there is a source in the Torah, that there is an inherent exemption that a non-Jewish owner does not need to give Truma and Meiser. And once there is that inherent exemption, then it applies to the produce and it would transfer over to the new Jewish buyer. So that's why the Gemara uses the Pasuk. It's not that it replaces the original logic. It's not that there's two different ideas that work separately, but the whole basis of the logical idea that the exemption transfers from the non-Jew to the Jew is based on what we learned from the Pasuk, that there's an inherent exemption of the non-Jewish farmer from Truma and Meiser. And this also explains the other question of why the Jew does have to give Truma Gedola, because since the Pasuk, which teaches the whole conceptual idea that a non-Jewish farmer is inherently exempt from Truma and Meiser, is only referring to Truma's Meiser and Meiser Rishon, so it's only in regard to those two gifts that we have this inherent exemption. But with regard to Truma Gedola, there is no special inherent exemption on the non-Jewish farmer. It's just part of the broader idea that non-Jews don't have to do mitzvahs. So if so, that doesn't transfer over to a Jew who buys the produce from this non-Jewish farmer, and that's why the Jew does have to give Truma Gedola. So this conceptual idea is a beautiful read of the Gemara, and it explains how the two different reasons are not different. They're all part of the same approach. And it also explains why it only applies to Trumas Meiser, but the exemption does not apply to Truma Gedola, because since the non-Jews' exemption from Truma Gedola is just part of the overall exemption that non-Jews don't have to do mitzvahs, so that does not transfer over to the Jewish buyer. So this is a very beautiful conceptual approach and it sheds light on the whole concept that a non-Jew doesn't have to give Truma and Meiser. And it also makes sense of how the Rambam presents this halacha that he brings in two seemingly different ideas, but they're actually both working together. And the exemption that the Jew purchases from the non-Jew is based on the fact that there's a pasuk that teaches that the non-Jew is inherently exempt from Truma and Meiser. So that's Reb Chaim's piece, and it brings up a very interesting issue about non-Jews doing a mitzvah, because Reb Chaim's position in this piece seems to be that most mitzvahs non-Jews are not obligated to do, and they also cannot do, but that's not an inherent exemption in the object of the mitzvah itself, it's just that the non-Jew is incapable of doing it. As opposed to Truma and Meiser, where there's a source in the Torah that the non-Jew is inherently exempt from doing it, so that exemption also applies to the object, the produce itself. 
So this brings up the interesting issue. Can a non-Jew do a mitzvah that they're not obligated in? And Rab Chaim's position seems to be no. And in the back of the Or Olam edition, they quote this explicitly from a conversation that they had with Rab Chaim's son, Rab Velvel, the Briskarov. This is quoted in the Sefer Mishkanos Ephraim on Masechus Shabbos, Simon Tazayin, Oslam Edalid, that someone tried to prove to the Briskarov that a non-Jew can do a mitzvah even if they're not obligated in it from a comment of the Rambam in his Pirsha Mishnayis at the end of the third chapter of Mishnayis Trumos. So there the Mishnah says that even though a non-Jew is not obligated in Truma, but if he does separate Truma, then it would be considered Truma. So the Rambam says a broad comment, even though the non-Jew is not obligated in the mitzvah, if they do the mitzvah, they still get some reward. Very interesting. The Rambam says it comes from the Jew's reward. And since they participate and they support what the Jewish people are doing, so then they share also in that reward. So the Rambam seems to say that a non-Jew could do a mitzvah even if they're not obligated in it. So the Briskarov said back that this is not a proof, and he quoted that the way his father, Reb Chaim, understood this is that when the non-Jew takes the truma, it's not that he gets a mitzvah of truma, but what the Mishnah is telling us is that the produce he separated as truma should be treated as such. It should have the halachas of truma, even though the non-Jew does not get the mitzvah of truma. So this would be an interesting idea that there's produce, which is truma, even though there was no mitzvah of truma. But according to Rab Chaim's approach, which supports what we just saw in this piece in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, so it sounds like a non-Jew cannot do mitzvahs, which they're not obligated in, even though there are times when they can produce the same outcome of that mitzvah, but they don't get the credit for the mitzvah. And they quote that Rab Aryeh Pomeranchik, who was a student of the Briskarov, and wrote a Sefer on Zroim, so in his Torah Zroim on that Mishnah in Trumos, so he also explains it in a similar way. So this approach would say that a non-Jew cannot do mitzvahs that they're not obligated in. Now, this is not so simple. There's a comment of the Rambam in Hilchos Melachim Perek Yud Halacha Yud, which seems to indicate very clearly that a non-Jew could do mitzvahs they're not obligated in. The Rambam writes very famously, Ben Noach Shirotzalasos Mitzvah Mishar Mitzvos Kabel Sachar, a non-Jew who wants to do a mitzvah that they're not commanded in, with the exception of studying Torah and keeping Shabbos. So those two mitzvahs a non-Jew is prohibited to do. But other than that, if a non-Jew wants to do a mitzvah they're not commanded in, in order to get reward, we don't stop him and he's allowed to do the mitzvah. So this seems to indicate that a non-Jew could do mitzvahs they're not commanded in. And that's how it's understood by a very important comment of the Radvaz in his commentary on the Rambam in Hilchus Melachim. And he points out that a non-Jew could do mitzvahs they're not commanded in, but they have to understand that they are not commanded 
intended to do that mitzvah. So if they do the mitzvah, let's say a non-Jew keeps kosher or keeps the laws of nida, and they think they're obligated in it, that would be a problem. But if they know they're not obligated in it and they just want to do it in order to get reward, then that would be legitimate. So the Radvaz certainly disagrees with Rab Chaim's approach and holds that a non-Jew would get credit for doing a mitzvah that they're not obligated in. Now, the Radvaz also adds importantly that even though non-Jews can do any mitzvah except for studying Torah and keeping Shabbos, but they should not do mitzvahs which have inherent sanctity to the object, like tefillin, sefer Torah, and mezuzah, because a non-Jew should not be handling that. So we have a debate here between Rab Chaim and the Radvaz whether a non-Jew is able to do mitzvahs they're not commanded in and get credit for having done the mitzvah. Now, there's a very excellent sefer on the whole process of conversion called Mishnas Hager from Reb Nasha Klein's son, Reb Moshe Klein. And in the back, he has longer simanim. So in Simon Tess Zion and Simon Lamed Tess, he goes through different sources about this discussion. And he quotes that the Radvaz does hold, as we said, that a non-Jew could do a mitzvah like kosher or nida and get credit for it. But he quotes that Rab Chaim disagrees and he says Rabbi Yonas and and Rab Moshe Feinstein and the Igris Moshe, they both take Rab Chaim's approach. And the way they read the Rambam, which says that non-Jews could do mitzvahs they're not commanded in, in Hilchos Melachim, is they say it's talking about mitzvahs which are logical, like giving charity, giving trumos, things which are sensible and help support the Jewish people. So that makes sense that a non-Jew could do. But something which is purely ritual, like nida or kashros, so there a non-Jew should not be doing that kind of mitzvah because they have no relevance to the non-Jew. Now, practically, this comes up a lot when you have a non-Jew who is trying to convert. So in order to prepare for conversion, they want to live as a Jew and keep as many of the mitzvahs as they can. So the Mishnah Hager goes through some of the practical ramifications of this, and he says that when it comes to tefillin, the non-Jew should not be using tefillin before they've converted as the Radvaz had explained, but he does quote that there would be some leniency if the tefillin were written originally for the non-Jew. Uh, also, when it comes to mezuzah, so the Ramah in Yoridea, Simon Reish Tzadi Aleph Sif Beis, also echoes the Radvaz's idea that a non-Jew should not be using a mezuzah. But again, the Mishas Hager has some leniency, he says that the main problem is for the Jew to give the non-Jew a mezuzah. But if the non-Jew is able to get one, which nowadays would be fairly easy, then he could put it up. And with regard to a Sefer Torah, so in general, we don't have a non-Jew, even preparing for conversion, handle the Sefer Torah until they've converted. So that's the story with Tfil and Sefer Torah and Mezuzah, Stam, which the Radvaz suggested non-Jews should not handle. Now, the Mishthagir points out that there would be no problem with tzitzis or talis for a non-Jew to wear one even before they've converted. Although most converts that are in an Ashkenazi community might not wear a talis because they wouldn't be halachically considered married and unmarried men don't wear a talis. Now, the biggest problems usually are learning Torah and keeping Shabbos because in order for a convert to prepare for conversion, they certainly need to study Torah. So there's a lot, a lot of discussion about this and there's important tshuvas from Rabbi Kiva Eger and Rabbi Moshe Feinstein and the Mishnah Sager has a long discussion about it. We won't go through all the sources, 
That could be its own recording, but it's too much information for now. But either way, there's a number of leniencies that we rely on in order to help the non-Jew prepare for conversion and to study the halachas that they need to know. And when it comes to keeping Shabbos, so it's also an issue because the non-Jew who's about to convert obviously wants to be able to keep Shabbos and we want them to learn about it and they don't want to have to violate Shabbos all the time when they're living in a Jewish community. So the well-known solution is to have the conversion candidate just do one small action violating Shabbos, like turning on a light or something, so that they can then keep the rest of Shabbos. They'll have the flavor and the spirit of Shabbos 99% of the time, but they won't have fully kept Shabbos. So that's one famous solution. But it's worth noting that Rav Moshe Sternbach, the great Israeli posek, in his Chuvas Van Hagos, Chelek Beis, Simen Tav Kuf Yud Gimel, so he doesn't even think this is that big an issue. He maintains that the only problem with a non-Jew keeping Shabbos is if they're doing so because they also want their own type of Shabbos day. But if they're doing so because they want to be part of the Jewish people, so they're preparing and practicing to join the Jewish people, then he doesn't think it's a problem at all to keep Shabbos. So it's worth noting his position that this isn't a big problem for a conversion candidate to keep Shabbos fully. So that's some of the discussion which emerges out of the issue Rab Chaim touches on whether a non-Jew can keep mitzvahs that they're not obligated in. And as we've seen, Rab Chaim's position in this piece is that certainly when it comes to truma and meiser, the non-Jew was inherently, explicitly excluded from taking truma and meiser. When it comes to other mitzvahs, so Rab Chaim maintains that even though they're just broadly exempt, they still cannot do the mitzvah. But we've seen that there's another approach based on the Radvaz that holds that it would be considered a mitzvah and the non-Jew would get credit for doing something even if they're not obligated in it. I'm not saying you have to love football. We all have different likes and dislikes, people. Personally, I'm not a fan of the avocado. I just don't like the mouthfeel. Someone who loves football, I mean, truly loves it well, my sports book app might be the greatest thing that has ever happened to you. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat on confidential and toll free helpline at 1 888 532 3500.